0: Morning. You doing well this morning? Yeah. Praise God. We're here on a on a uh, Palm Sunday. I got a message from my pastor this week. If I had a message that I wanted to share, and, um, I know that put he's putting a lot of faith in me because he has no idea what I'm going to say. But pastor, I appreciate you. I love you. Um, this morning, uh, I'm reminded of a story of three young boys out in a, in a schoolyard and they begin to compare fathers. And one of the young men, one of the little boys said first, you know what, my dad writes down a few words on a piece of paper and calls it a poem and they pay him $50. And the second boy said, oh yeah? Well my dad writes down on a piece of paper, words down on a piece of paper, and he calls it a song, and they pay him a hundred dollars. The third boy says, You guys have nothing on my dad. He writes down a little, he writes down some words on a piece of paper, calls it a sermon, and it takes four men to collect all the money. <laughs> so praise God. This morning, um, we're gonna start off in my uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. And I've entitled our message this morning, The Road to Jerusalem. You know, we, um, I think of Palm Sunday and all the messages I've ever heard of Palm Sunday. And they're always of the triumphant entry. And our Lord deserves the triumphant entry. He was the King of King and Lord of Lords. There's no reason why he shouldn't have entered the city in a horse, in a white horse set up as a king. But instead, he chose a different path. So this morning we're going to, if you will start with me in Matthew chapter 21, and I'll go ahead and start reading. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, Say, say to them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to, say to daughter Zion, see your king has come to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. This story is written in the four Gospels, the book of uh, Matthew, Luke, Mark, and John. But I want to turn real quick to uh, Luke chapter 19. And I'm going to start in verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. I think that's kind of interesting that there were four different writers and Luke was the only one that pointed out the stopping and looking over Jerusalem. I think the other, the other four, all four of them saw what was taking place. They saw the triumphant entry. It was to their amazement and their marvel that this man that they had been walking with was now entering Jerusalem. He had a king's entrance. People were laying their cloaks and palms before him. But Luke took notice of something that happened on the way to Jerusalem, on the road to Jerusalem. You see, this was the beginning of the end for Jesus. While others look at the triumphant entry, God impressed on my heart, the road to Jerusalem was a hard road to go down for Jesus. You see, he knew that all those that were praising Him, all those that were lifting up His name, all those that were screaming, Hosanna to the highest, would turn on Him and shout, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Crucify Him. He looked down on the city and knew that He had come to save, not to condemn, but to save a people And they rejected him. And he wept. There's not very many times in the Bible that the the word wept is used in reference to Jesus. The only other time that's used in the reference to Jesus was when he stood at the the tomb of Lazarus. The Bible says Jesus wept because his friend had passed away. You see, I come to realize that Jesus loves you and I He loves us more than we could ever fathom, ever imagine. There is nothing that we can do to earn His graces and His mercies. There is nothing we can do to earn His love. In fact, the Bible says, all of my righteousness is as filthy rags to Christ. No matter what I do right, it cannot compare to the goodness of God. We cannot earn our way into heaven I want to start off this morning with the first thing. The road to Jerusalem was a road of humility. He did not take honor. He did not go in boastful and proud. But it was a road of humility. He didn't ride on a grand stallion that was white and entered like a king. But rather, just like he was born, pour into this world. On a manger stable, they, they set him. This was a God that was coming into Jerusalem, not on a horse, but on a donkey, in humility. Knowing what was going to happen, knowing the course that he had to take, he entered in in humility. By all rights, this was God Almighty. This was the king of kings. He should not have been entering the city on a donkey. He should have been coming in, preceded with angels, with the heavenlies singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. And yet, he rode in on a donkey. You see, this sets an example for you and I. We are nothing. We are We are not worthy I think of my own life and I think God why would you want to use me I'm so unworthy what is there about me that you see that I don't see you know I I coach and coaching uh, I coach several teams every every season I have to pick out a captain and I don't know how you would think that we pick captains, but I know how I, picked a ca- how I pick a captain. I don't look for the most talented person. Talent is great on the court, but talent does me nothing as a captain. When I'm looking for a captain, I'm looking for someone who hears my voice and heeds to my voice. I'm looking for someone that has conversation with me. Someone that when I ask them to do something, it doesn't fall on deaf ears and they walk on doing their own thing. Yes, coach. Yes, coach. And it's not a saying, it's not just yes, but it's an act of obedience. Have you ever wondered why God seems to speak to other people more than you? i being honest. Have you ever wondered why God seems to speak to other people more than you? Number one, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you being obedient to the Word of God? Are you being obedient to what He's planting in your heart? I love nothing more than to have a captain, and in the middle of all the craziness, if we're in the middle of a game and it's tied and we've got a minute left, that I can say his name and I've got his attention. When I call the huddle, I've got his attention. As long as I know he's listening, I know we're going to be okay. And I think. God works in the same manner. If you're obedient to God, if you're listening to God, God tends to speak to you more. Not that He doesn't speak to others. But He tends to speak to you more when you're obedient and He can put His trust on you. No matter what situation you're in, no matter how hard of a day you're having, when God says, your name, Edward, I need you to And no matter what you're going through you can look aside and say yes Lord. As hard as it may be yes Lord, here I am. See we have to have that humility. Christ had the humility to serve and to walk down that to to go down the road that he knew was leading to his death. To go down the road knowing the purpose was not to be lifted up, but the purpose was to die for your sin and my sin. He had to have humility. The next one is, the road to Jerusalem is the road of fulfillment. If we look at... uh, Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 and and, and it's written on there, it says this Rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion shout O daughter of Jerusalem behold your king is coming to you he is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey a colt a colt and a foal of a donkey this road is also fulfillment, notice that he was fulfilling the prophecy that was laid ages, years Before he walked down that road. It's interesting to me. That there are over 300 prophecies. That speak of Jesus Christ. What's really interesting. Is that all these prophecies refer to the same individual. I don't know if you can fathom that. But that is unreal. It wasn't in one period of time. It was set Across the ages of the Old Testament, Zechariah, Isaiah, and Psalms, we begin to find little tidbits of who was going to lead, who was coming to bring salvation to the people. And it wasn't fulfilled by different individuals. It was fulfilled by one individual, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, God, had a plan the moment that man stepped on earth. There was a plan for my salvation there was a plan for your salvation we could only be redeemed by the blood of the Lord we could not be redeemed by any other means not by what we did not by who by by who we followed but it had to be by the blood of the Lord we needed that redemption this road needed to be fulfilled this was part of prophecy And in order for my salvation to come, he had to walk down that road. He had to put his feelings aside. Isn't it interesting that a little bit further in the story we find that he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he's praying, he's crying out to the Lord, Lord, take this cup! Because he knew how hard it was. You see, you and I have a calling in our life. We also have a fulfillment to do to Christ. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Understand His plans are not for your financial gain. Although they come. The plans He has for you are for His kingdom. To reach the lost, the hurting, and the dying. To be His hands, to be His voice. We have to fulfill the destiny. We have to fulfill what God has called us to do. But sometimes we walk down that path and we begin to see where it leads. And it doesn't seem very good. It doesn't bring much joy. It may not bring a lot of finances. It may bring hardship. You'll have to lay yourself yourself aside. You see, That fulfillment takes a person who's selfless. We cannot be selfish if you're going to walk down the road of fulfillment. You have to know that you have a greater calling. And God has a calling for you and I. I don't know what your calling is, but I know what my calling is. And I often wonder, Lord, why do I feel the way I do? Why is there so much guilt when I hear your word And I want to reject your word. I'm human just like you. It's not easy saying yes all the time. It's not easy helping others. It's not easy sacrificing your needs, sacrificing your desires. But that is a road to fulfillment. We need to fulfill what God has called us to do. I believe that if every individual would lay themselves aside in this church... Would lay themselves aside and give themselves wholly to God, we would have a growth problem. Pastor Ron would be finding, trying to find a way to fit more people into these services because we would be fulfilling what God has called us to do. Because God has a plan. Not only to prosper us, but to prosper us in His kingdom. To reach a lost city. To reach people that are trapped and depressed and suicidal and and addicted and, 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 and so on and so forth. God has a plan for them just like He has for you and I. But He doesn't have enough captains on His team saying, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Whatever you need, Lord. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever the whatever the the trial, whatever the 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 craziness in your life is, saying yes, Lord, I lay it aside. Here I am. Here I am. You guys still awake out there? Okay, I just want to make sure I didn't put anybody to sleep. The next road is the road of Jerusalem leads to the road of submission. We have to submit to God. It's one thing to hear the voice of God, it's another thing to submit to the voice of God. His whole life was in submission submission to my salvation, submission to your salvation. Christ knew this was the only way. I don't think Christ had a plan B. You know, I often hear people say, "Well, back in Genesis, he expected uh, uh, Abraham, uh, Adam and Eve, that the, everything was going to be perfect, and he didn't have a plan B. They were supposed to, they were supposed to live in a land of milk and honey, and nothing was supposed to happen. But then Satan showed up. This was not Plan B. This was the original plan. Read it over the over the course of the Old Testament. This was the original plan." Notice that the disciples obeyed him. When he told them to go pick up a colt, they obeyed him. How silly does it seem for a man to tell you, I want you to go down the road whenever you see a red Chevy pickup. Go, get in there, start it up, and bring it over here. Like, whoa, <laughs> you're crazy. That's not going to happen. But yet, they submitted. No questions asked. They did as the Lord said. Go. And when they ask you what it's for, tell them. See, that donkey, that colt, had a plan, had a purpose. From the moment that it was born, it had a purpose. And if God cares that much about a donkey, how much more does he care about me? If he can use as a donkey as a vessel to go down the road he can use me. Sometimes in our lives we feel like we're nothing. We look at our lives and we examine our lives and we pick and pick and pick at all the things we've done wrong and all the reasons why God can't use us. But God says that's irrelevant. My blood has covered that sin. That's irrelevant. I've chosen you. That's irrelevant. Your sin is as far as the east is from the west. God loves us. The people in Jesus' time did the same thing. They laid down their garments as a sign of submission to Christ. They also laid down their garments as a a way of welcoming Christ. So let us ask ourselves, what have we done to welcome Christ into our hearts? What have we laid down to show that we're submitting to him as Lord and King of our lives? I tell you what we need to do. We need to lay down before, we need to lay down before Christ to welcome, to submit to. We need to lay down everything. We need to lay down everything. True happiness comes when we lay down everything. I don't look at what I don't have and I don't look at what I can't do. I don't look at what I haven't done. I look at what the joy and the peace that God has given me. I count it as joy. We were here last night till 1040, not lifting myself up, but I count it as a joy to be here serving the people of God. We need to lay down ourselves. We need to lay down our hearts. We need to say, Lord, here I am. I am your vessel. Use me. Use me. Let me bring honor and glory to your kingdom. If I can reach only one person for your kingdom, Lord, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. As a matter of fact, this morning there was a couple sitting here that we met last night that came for the very first time. No? You were here before? We want to thank you guys for coming. It's awesome to see you. God is doing great things. God is moving in this community. God is reaching out to his people. The tides are starting to change. I've always heard that the, that the enemy has had his hand upon our city. Guess what? He doesn't have his hand upon our city anymore. If you and I stand up and we're obedient to God's word, he will no longer have his hand over the city, but we will be his hand stretched out, reaching to those that are lost, those that are dying, those that are hurting. Being a light in dark places, being the salt of the earth, that is what God has called you and I for. Amen? Uh, The road of Jerusalem is a road of compassion. And I want to go back to to Luke chapter 19 verse, verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. I believe Luke was taken by this marvel. While the others were looking at the triumphant entry, Luke looked at him and said, That's my God. Looking down, knowing what was going to happen, knowing what he was going to be going through, knowing that others, you, you think about it, It's not a secret that they slapped him. It's not a secret that, to him, it wasn't a secret that they were going to spit on him. To him, it wasn't a secret that they were going to lay a crown of thorns on him. To him, it was not a secret that he would be nailed to a cross. He could have been angry and looked at them with such judgment. Instead, he looked at them with compassion and wept. You and I have to have that same compassion for one another. We have to learn how to forgive just as Christ has forgiven us. When I look at this scripture, I see his forgiveness. He didn't hold it against them because this was predestined. This is what was supposed to happen. This was part of the plan. He gave All he had for you and I. And it didn't matter to him where you were or how you walked. I think the most amazing thing to me is the thief that was on the cross. When he says, this day you also shall be with me in glory. As he's hanging on the cross, not because... He was there because he was not guilty. He was guilty. He had committed a crime. He deserved to be there just like you and I. But Christ died for him. And Christ said, it doesn't matter today. You will be with me. Because he believed that he was hanging next to an almighty God. We need to believe that God died for our sins We need to believe that God loves us. We need to believe that that blood was shed so that you and I could have entrance into his kingdom. The Bible says there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. He is the only way. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. There is no other way to get to heaven but through Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to make that step of faith and say, Lord, here I am. Some have told us there's so many roads to get to heaven, but the Bible tells us there's only one road to get to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. His compassion and His love for us provided the ticket. We also must have that compassion and love for our friends, for those that we work with, for those that we live by, for those that we live in the street, that we see in the street. I can't tell you how many times I walk into a school and I'm filled with so much compassion for these young kids that are seeking and looking and trying to fulfill the place that God has put in their heart with every drug, with every with girls, with guys, social media, whatever it takes, they're trying to fill themselves. They're trying to fill a void that God put within their heart. And I can walk in and say, hey, that's their problem, not mine. But that's not what God has called us to do. You see, my prayer has been for the past, I don't even know how many years, God, let me see others through your eyes. Because my eyes are judgmental. My eyes see the way a person is dressed. And I right away bring to mind what they may be going through. I see someone in a suit, I think they've got it together. I see someone on the street homeless, and I see problems. I see desperation. That's what I see through my eyes. But God doesn't see that. Because it could be the man on the street, the homeless man on the street, that's got it together. And it can be the man wearing the suit that's in desperation and losing control of his life. Because when we begin to see others through our own eyes, we lose the fact that we can do nothing for them. But when we see others through the through the eyes of Christ, when we're sensitive to God, God begins to move us with His compassion and His love. A few uh, uh, two weeks ago, um, we were going to my mother in law's, and as I was crossing, as we were going across the road, I noticed in the middle of the road there was a woman in a in a wheelchair. And she was struggling. She's an older woman. Um, she was struggling to get across the road. She didn't have the strength. She, with, what, with what she could, she was wheeling herself. And I saw her going up the hill, and she went halfway up, rolled back down. Went halfway up, rolled back down. And in my mind, in, 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 my, in my inner ear, I was hearing God say, Go help her. Go help her. You know, I, I have somewhere to be. I've got my wife with me. How am I going to help this individual? Go help her. I was so convicted with what I had heard. I'm not lifting myself up in any way. I understand what I'm saying. I was so convicted with what I heard. I, got, I told my wife, let's pull over. I'm going to help her cross the street. We parked at the Walgreens parking lot, and I went down and I told her, Can I help you? Can I help you cross the street? And this woman began to pour into me. Oh, I'm just trying to get to Big Lots. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Big Lots is way down the road. You barely crossed the street. Wow. I was not expecting this, Lord. I was expecting the helper cross the road, say bye, get in the car. That's what I was expecting. That's not what happened. I went and told my wife, she's sitting in the car, I told her, you know what, I'm going to help this woman, she needs to get to Big Lots, so I'm going to go ahead and push her to Big Lots. I didn't realize how hard it is to push a wheelchair across the sidewalks here in Santa Fe, across the streets here in Santa Fe, you know those little bumpy things, those little yellow things with all the little bumps? Those things are not handicap friendly. They are not. I almost dropped her. I said, "Woo!" She screamed. But as I as I begin to talk to her, as I begin to talk to her, I said, "Well, can I help you?" And she said, "This. You know, I was just praying for God to send someone to help me." Wow. That's the God that I serve. He saw a need. And he called me. I could have been disobedient. We all hear that. Every single time we hear that. How many times does someone come up to you and you don't want to help them? Or God's telling you something and you pretend like you don't hear him. We have to submit. We have to have compassion for those around us. As I begin to walk down the road with her, down the sidewalk with her, she just began to pour into me over and over about the goodness of God and how God had brought her over here and how God has always met her need. And she's never had much of anything, but I've always had the joy of God in my heart. I've always had the peace of God in my heart. And I looked at her and she looked homeless and I said, God, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to help her. Thank you, Lord, for calling me to help her because God spoke to me so strongly that day. Are we willing to submit to God? All right, I know we've got to finish, so I'm going to keep going. I don't want to start crying. You know, I'm reminded of, as a matter of fact, we're going to go ahead and go there. Uh, John chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. I I believe I have this up on the overhead. I'm not sure. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I believe God wants to ask us Do you love me? Do you love me? My wife always tells me no hard feelings. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Jesus said, Simon, do you love me? You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. What's important to Christ? Look at this verse. What is important to Christ? to fulfill what was written in in Matthew to go out and preach to all nations far and close the good news of Jesus Christ baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit baptizing them in the name of Jesus that is what is important to him if you love Jesus you will feed his sheep love is not a word love is an action Do you love Jesus? Last, the road to Jerusalem is a road of destiny. Christ was destined to die for our sins. That was his very purpose. That was his destiny. That was the plan that was foretold That he would take my sin and your sin and carry it on a cross and redeem us. The enemy would no longer have hold over our lives but now we would be set free by that precious blood. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus. He had a destiny. You and I have a destiny. Christ has a destiny in each and every one of us. Not that we would lift ourselves up and bring great fame and power to ourselves, but that we would lift Him up and bring great fame to Him. To share who He is with others. I love that song earlier, If It's Just a Smile. If others could see Christ in just our smile. So many times we're looking and we're frowning and we're... And, 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 and we look like we're ready to beat somebody up. God has called us for more than that. We need to love one another. We need to love those that we come in, come in contact with. You know, there was a study that I was reading, a study that took place in New York City. There was a gentleman that said for five days he was going to frown at people. And he was going to walk down the streets and see how he was accepted. And lo and behold, people would see him and walk around him, walk around him, walk around him. Nobody wanted to be around him. Nobody wanted to look him eye to eye. But they said for the next five days, he would smile and he would greet others with a smile. Hello, how are you today? People begin to take notice he said by the second and third day people begin to look for him on the street as as they were going down that path every single day. He asked some of them, how did it make you feel when I smiled and greeted you? It made me feel like I was important. It made me feel like I was loved. We need to greet others with smiles. Amen? We need to love those around us. We can't be afraid to show the goodness that is within our hearts and within our minds. Some of you have the most beautiful smiles and you hide them in frowns. You hide them with what's going on in your daily life. I know that sometimes at work I've got a terrible day. I've had so many things happen. And when I walk into the gym and I'm greeting my players, all that's left behind. I've got to walk in, and I've got to be excited to see these young people because I know they've had a hard day just like I've had. I know they've probably been scolded by their teachers. They've probably been, they've probably been bullied. They've probably been gossiped on. I've got to be that smile. And as hard as it is, as hard a day as I've had, I've got to put all that behind me, and I've got to wear that face that I'm here for you, and I care about you. We have to be submissive to what God has for us. Be submissive to the God plan, the, the plan God has for you. Be submissive. If God has put you at work, don't always look at people with a frown. Give them that smile. Don't let them say, man, these Christians, all they ever do is frown. All they ever do is complain about all the things that they don't have. All the things they're going through. How about we start complaining about the goodness of God? Man, God is so good. I can't tell you. I'd rather hear somebody say, I just don't even be around him anymore. He's always talking about how good God is. That guy's crazy. So something happened and he had a flat tire this morning. Oh, God is so good. He provided the air for the tire. You know, we've we've got to be lifting up. We've got to be uplifting. We've got to be filled with joy. We've got to be light to those around us, not darkness. The world is full of darkness. Amen? We need to be light. Here's what we're going to do. I know that every time I teach, I try not to do this, but God is God is God. Is God and I'm not going to disobey God. Can we all stand? Today we celebrate Palm Sunday. It is a It is a story of a triumphant entry. But today I tell you, look at your life. Are you walking down the path that Christ has set before you? Are you walking with him on the road to Jerusalem? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Two-part question. If you're not, I want you to come to the front. We want to pray over you. I know God can do all things. And it's not too late. God doesn't turn his face on you and say, Oh, that one, I can never use that one. They're so mean to everybody. I don't even want to use that one. No, that's not the kind of God that I serve. God says, Come up. Come up. I will fill you with joy. I will turn your life around. I will make you to jump up and down with joy and peace and laughter. I will use you for my glory, for my honor. This morning, if you're not walking down that road, of, to, that road of Jerusalem with Christ, I want to invite you to the front. And we're going to pray over you. Number two. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. And you don't know who he is. And you haven't had the chance to get to know him like I know him. Guess what? Today is your day. We want to introduce you to an almighty God. A God that loves you. A God that cares about you. We'll help you start that conversation this morning. We'll help you start that conversation this morning. Prayer isn't recited words. Prayer is merely speaking to God and telling Him what's in your heart. Prayer is communicating with God And letting him know what you're going through. Letting him know your weaknesses. Letting him know your failures. Sometimes prayer is crying. And crying. Because you just don't know what to say. Everything's been so messed up. I want to bring our elders. I want to bring our prayer team, our deacons to the front. Will you come to the altar and give your heart to God? Are you ready to walk down that path with him and say, Lord, here I am. Let me be a vessel of honor and not dishonor. Or are you ready to get to know Christ for the very first time? Or maybe you've stepped away and you haven't spoken to Him in a very long time. This is your chance to reacquaint yourself with God. This is your chance to come back into His loving arms and feel His embrace. This is your chance. To pour your heart out before Him. Will you come this morning? If we've spoken to you this morning, will you come this morning? Praise God. You know, it is an honor to have our pastor here this morning. Normally when I'm up here, it's because he's absent. This morning, it's an honor to have him here with us. And I want to bring him up And he's going to pray for us as we dismiss. This man, come up, Pastor. Come up, Pastor. This man has a compassionate heart, he has a loving heart. But it's not just him. Nina, will you come up as well? It's not easy to have a heart of compassion. It takes a lot. It's draining. It steals your time. It calls you when you weren't expecting to be called on. Will you all stretch your hands toward this altar? And can we pray, can we lift up our pastor in prayer this morning? You know, he just went through a liver transplant, and to my amazement. He doesn't even look like it. I've, I've oftentimes called him Chuck Norris. He's the Chuck Norris of liver transplants. But it's not his spirit. It's God's spirit. You want to see what God can do? You want to see the healing power of God? It's right here. It's right here. We have that example here today. Healed from cancer. That example's right here. I know that the healing process isn't, isn't done yet. We think that because we see him, it's, it's everything's fine. There's still a healing process. We want to lift him up right now. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence. We lift up our pastor before you. We thank you for their heart. We thank you for their hearts of compassion, for the love they have for you, Lord, for their submission, for their fulfillment of your of your calling, Lord. I thank you for our pastor this morning. I thank you, Lord, that when you have asked him, do you love me? He didn't only answer in word, but he answered in deed and obedience and in sacrifice. We pray, Lord, that your spirit continue to move within him, Lord, that you give him strength, that you would fill him from the top of his head, Lord, to the soles of his feet, that your spirit would bring healing, Lord, that your spirit would bring encouragement, Lord, that your spirit, Lord, would bring renewal, Lord. Renew him, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord. Give him a new mind, a new heart, Lord. Let him be light and salt in dark places. We thank you for our pastor this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In turn, will you lift your hands as he blesses us this morning?
1: Hallelujah. Father, we uh, wanted to just thank you for that. Thank you for Edwards' prayer and the prayer of the congregation, Lord. Thank you for the love that they've shown me and Nina and our family. Lord, uh, your word says, freely, freely you have received, freely, freely give, Lord, we want to just give back, Lord, uh, love and grace and mercy. We thank you, Father, for just the opportunity to stand here today in this holy place, Lord God. And, Father, we just ask that uh, the fire of your Holy Spirit would just begin to fall upon each of our lives. Your word says that our God is a consuming fire. And, Lord, we just ask that everything that's in our heart that is not of you, Lord God. We we pray that you would purge it, that you would burn that out, and that, uh, Lord, your word says it in in the last day, that you would burn up the uh, the the straw and the grass, and and that you would leave the silver and gold and those things that can't and that will not perish by fire. That those things would remain. And I pray that for our congregation this morning, Lord, that you would pray or that you would burn up the wood, hay, and stubble, Lord God, in our lives. Lord, rid us of that. Lord, I think about Jacob and his family coming out of, uh, uh, away from Laban's house and uh, how he just stopped. He stopped the whole tribe, stopped, you know, his two wives and his two concubines and the 12 children and the 12 sons and uh, his daughter. And he said, just stop. Let's just stop right here. I want you to just search your heart, search your mind, and I want you to rid yourself of every idol that's in your heart and in your life. Lord, we ask that you would help us to do that today. There may be things in our lives that we don't recognize that idols or idols, but we have placed them before you, Lord God. And this morning, we just say, Father, rid us of all idols and everything that stands between heaven and us right now, Lord God. Rid us of those things. And Lord, I pray that you just fill our lives with what your word calls the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and temperance and meekness and faithfulness, Lord God, that you would fill us with those things. And Lord, that our cup would overflow with the goodness of God. And Lord, that it would touch those that are in our lives, our family, those that we work with, friends of ours. Let our cup overflow and spill onto those that we love, Father, and that we want to see come into your kingdom. We ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Amen and amen.